The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Amplify. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Hello, this is Ken Rashawn. We're calling from Washington, D.C. area, and we have Max Major on the line. He's our guest today for this one-hour episode. How are you doing, Max? Hey, fantastic. So uh, it must have been pretty interesting having your name uh, uh, being born with the name Max Major. Where'd your mom and dad, uh, how'd they come up with that name? Uh, I guess I was supposed to be either a superhero or a magician, and so I, I went with magician. Okay, <laughs> and so from so from being a magician, that was a, like right out of the gate, you knew you were going to be a magician? Yeah, so I was 10 or 11 years old, and uh, like every kid, I, I learned a card trick, um, but I was, I was fascinated by this, and I, and I stuck with it, um, and I was performing, you know, magic shows for family parties and, uh, you know, neighborhood parties and, and whatever, you know, event I could get booked for when I was a kid. Um, but this was, this was truly, you know, my calling. And I, I was lucky enough to find this, um, you know, 20 years ago. And so I continued doing this through high school, through college. Um, but the biggest turning point for me was actually when I was 18 years old, uh, my dad was actually hypnotized so that he could quit smoking. And, and I was fascinated by this. I mean, if I thought like, you know, he had tried everything to quit smoking. And, and then he came home one day and just miraculously he had quit. And I thought that like, this was real magic. I mean, if you could use your words to change someone's life, I started to wonder, like, what am I doing studying, you know, card tricks or pulling a rabbit out of a hat? And so I started studying body language and psychology and hypnosis, and I blended this with my background as a magician, um, and, and here we are 20 years later, you know, I perform full-time as a, as a mentalist all over the country. I'm living my dream, and I'm, I'm having more fun than I ever could have imagined. Yeah, your Think uh, tour is amazing. I mean, I've been able to see that a couple times. And it really is the kind of show you can see over and over again, and you are still in disbelief that you're able to pull this off each time. And you, and you try new things each act. I mean, each time I see you out, so that's really cool, too. Yeah, yeah. So what, what is it that actually allows you to be able to read someone? Well, as a mentalist, I have two core skill sets. Number one is to be able to read someone, and so that's uh, things like body language and psychology and an understanding of facial expressions and micro-expressions. Um, but the second part of what I do is um, a, skill, a skill set around suggestion. So that's the idea of planning an idea in someone's head, whether this is some verbal suggestion or hypnosis. Um, and those are the two themes I play with throughout the show. But at any given time, I'm not necessarily honest about which one you're seeing. So at times, um, you know, I may be planning a thought inside someone's head in a way that to them it feels like a very free choice. And so 
it's a very fun, uh, very interactive show. Can you give an example of that? Yeah. I, so in the show, I, I, I have one piece early on uh, where I sort of serve as a human lie detector. And so I have different people in the audience sort of lie or tell me the truth. And I, I put my own money on the line. And that is an example of me just using pure body language. Um, at, a, at another point in the show, uh, really the second half of the show, I shift gears and actually try to, to transfer my skill set to other people. And so this is the part of the show where I really rely on my skill at suggestion to plant an idea in someone's head, whether it's a picture that I want them to draw or, or a choice that I want them to make. And the coolest part about it is every person that comes on stage is chosen completely at random. So you'll see your girlfriend or your husband or your wife or your son up on stage um, you know, actually, uh, you know, exhibiting these amazing skills, whether it's in, you consider it intuition or their ability to read someone else. Um, it's really fun because in a way we get to put the spotlight on the audience instead of it, it being on me for the whole show. And uh, I'm guessing that for you, this is entertainment as well. Like each time it's not like predictable. It's, it's a new experience for you as well. Yeah. You know, the amazing thing about, live performance, unlike, you know, television, is that it's new every time. Um, and so each night for me on stage, it's, it's as exciting as the first time I ever did the show because, you know, because of the nature of a live show, you have no idea what's going to happen or what an audience member is going to say or what answer they're going to give to a question or what, what might go wrong on stage. And that's what keeps it exciting for me is that each night it's entirely fresh because the show is so dependent on the answers that people give. Um, you know, as a mentalist, I work with people rather than props. And so each night, it really is just dependent on who's in the crowd that night and what the energy is, uh, what kind of responses they give. And so it's always fresh and fun. You know, but the truth is, this is, you know, this is my calling, you, you know. And so it is one of those things that, um, I, you know, I would truly do for free. It's that thing that, that speaks to me where I feel the most alive when I'm on stage or when I'm in front of a crowd or in front of a camera and I have, you know, a chance to share sort of what I've learned or what I believe with, with, uh, with the people in the audience. And so, you know, whether it's the show changing each night or, or just the fact that I'm truly doing what I love, um, it's just something I, I look forward to every time I go out on stage. And that's a message you really share with your audience. You tell people to really pursue what they love and if they don't know what they love, to find out what it is that they love. And I, I, I've really enjoyed how you not only interact, but you educate, you inspire, and you really lead people to live a better life. You know, the truth, Ken, is that I'm as much an entrepreneur as I am a mentalist. Um, I went to uh, the Robert H. Smith School of Business at the University of Maryland, and, um, you know, I was sort of wired there with a business mindset, which is a background that not every performer has, but I think it's a really important skill set for a performer to have. I, I had a mentor when I was growing up uh, who used to say to me, you could be the greatest magician in the world, but if no one knows your name, you'll never work. And so show business being show business, there's really two core skills you need. One is your sort of skill set as an entertainer and as a performer, but the other skill set is your ability to sell yourself. Um, but I actually enjoy the business side of performing as much as the performing itself. Um, I really, you know, truly feel I'm as much an entrepreneur as I am a magician. And so, you know, I, I think that anyone um, could find more, more fulfillment in life by doing what it is that they love. I, I understand that there are realities that you have to pay bills and you might need to work a job that you don't like so much for 
for a certain amount of time. Um, but I, I, I can't imagine living my life any other way where, where I would sort of, you, you know, compromise and not, and not have chosen this path. And I, and I really think that for everyone, there, there is some kind of calling out there. There's something that you can find that you're uniquely wired for that you'll feel, you'll feel both fulfilled in doing, but also that you'll bring some exponential value to the, to the rest of the world. Um, and, and I think that, I think just by the very nature of seeing someone else do what it is that they love, I think it can inspire people in the crowd to say, you know, wow, I wish that I could do X, Y, or Z, or I've always loved painting, and maybe I should give that a shot. Um, but, but it's not just that. It's part of the messaging of the show is, is this idea to sort of follow your dreams and, and, and take a leap and dive in, um, you know, and, and get as much as you can out of life and, and not just um, sort of compromise or, or settle because it's something I've, I've never been willing to do and it's something that I, I don't think anyone should do. Well, I mean, you've done over 2,000 live shows and been on over 100 television appearances and this is, I mean, you're, you're still really relatively young and what's the next step for you? Um, right now, I'm focusing on my uh, my live touring show. So there's a few pieces to my business. Um, the first piece of it is sort of private engagements and bookings. And so that's where a, a company hires me for an event or someone hires me for a, a social event or a party at their home. Um, and that's uh, one part of my business. The other part of my business are my public shows. And so that's where I perform at a venue and people buy a ticket to come and see the show. And that, that's really been my focus for the last three years has been trying to transition from a private career to, to more of a public career. And so I just launched um, a partnership with the Franklin Institute, which is this incredible museum in Philadelphia um, where I'm doing my, my new show for the next three months. And so that's my primary focus right now. Um, the goal being to kind of get the show to a point um, through this residency I have with them where I can actually launch into an off-Broadway show. And so the near-term plan is to, um, you know, take over Philadelphia and, and sell out these shows at the Franklin Institute week after week. And then from that, um, sort of launch into uh, what I hope to be a, a really successful off-Broadway production, which right now I'm, I'm in the works of sort of building those relationships and building the team to, to help produce that show. And so that's a long process. And so in the meantime, you know, my idea was to just perform as often as possible so that when I do get my shot on Broadway, the show will be as sharp and as tight and as refined as it can possibly be. Um, and so on the one hand, the, the Franklin show um, is sort of me shifting my business model, you know, towards this sort of public career, but it's also about, you know, just performing, getting that stage time, you know, the same way a pilot has to have so many hours, you know, um, in, in front of the wheel as any performer, you really, there's no substitute for that experience. You can sit in your room all day and study and plan and rehearse um, but it's when you actually get out there and you do it in front of a real crowd is, is when it gets really uh, sharp and refined and tight. And so that's my current focus right now. Well, the Franklin Museum is uh, probably one of the most beautiful museums in the United States. I, you are referring to the museum, right? Yeah. You know, it's a gorgeous, uh, if folks aren't familiar with it, it's an interactive science museum in Philadelphia. Right. Um, they actually have an entire exhibit dedicated to the brain, which is, which is fan, like such a fantastic partnership for me to have a show about the brain and about human potential at a place that has an entire exhibit about, you know, the power of the mind um, and how we're wired. Um, it's a really cool 
um, sort of vibe to, to have a show in a museum. It's, it's such a fun place. Well, I, I, I went there probably about three years ago, and I was uh, I, I love the Maryland Science Center here, but anytime there's a museum that has some type of explanation of the brain, I'm, I'm always uh, fixated on that. I took you know, years of problem solving and critical thinking. And although I haven't studied the mentalism aspect of it, I, I'm fascinated by how the brain works and, and how, yeah. how we underutilize the brain. We just barely are tapping <laughs> the power of what we can do with it. I mean, as someone who's, you know, a, a, a peak performer like you are, I mean, you have to absolutely, not, not even as a mentalist, but as anyone who's, who's trying to accomplish anything, you really have to, kind of master your internal world before you can uh, kind of take over your external world. I mean, without having a solid grasp on your own emotions and your own mindset um, and that ongoing narrative inside your head, it's really difficult to, to accomplish anything or to affect any change on your external world. It really does all start um, inside. So you used uh, an expression early in the show. uh, You, you believe that magic and what you're doing in your life is your calling. And so uh, you're saying this from a standpoint that you believe uh, spiritually, religiously, this was why you're put in this earth. I, I think, I don't know if it's a religious thing where this is my destiny. I think it's, it's a, it's a practical thing. It's, you know, it's, I'm, I'm a little more pragmatic. It's like, I'm here. This is my skill set. This is the hand I've been dealt. Um, and this is the thing that's most in line. It, it, it feels right for whatever reason. And I, I don't have to, to dig too deep or know why to know that when I'm doing this, I, I feel most alive. And I think right. that there's moments in life, um, Oprah calls them whispers, you know, where you, where you feel like uh, more alive than you've ever been. And, and these things pop up and, and you can either listen to those moments and you can, you know, change direction uh, or you can ignore them. And I've always been the kind of person that whenever something speaks to me, I, I dive in head first. Um, and so I think this is sort of, you know, call it a purpose, call it your calling or call it the thing that you just love to do more than anything else. This is the thing that's, that's spoken to me and I, and I listen to that. And so I think I'm, have a unique skill set that allows me, you know, to, to communicate what I believe with others in a way that hopefully will impact their life. And so maybe being a mentalist or a stage performer is kind of my medium. Um, and maybe my sort of greater mission is to kind of inspire others to find that thing that they love and to have the courage to, to take a leap and to dive in um, and sort of live a life of their own design. And, you know, if I were to think a little deeper about it, I'd say maybe that's my my true purpose and, and being a mentalist is sort of my medium to kind of spread that message. That's cool. You know, uh, this, the show amplified is about really making something louder and we really focus on leaders. We focus on people that are making a positive difference in the world. And, uh, you've been a leader in the DC market from an event standpoint, from a magician standpoint, from even, uh, you know, entertainer, uh, when there's the city poll, you've, You've even changed categories in one, so that's always been entertaining to just see how you can you know, move around. To, I have to give you some credit for that, Ken. Um, you and I met for the first time, if I had to guess, uh, maybe eight or nine years ago. Maybe almost. Yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. About 10 years ago. 
And it was as a result of a LinkedIn connection. And this was in the early days of LinkedIn um, when this was really before everyone had embraced the mindset of open, of being an open networker. You know, this was pre sort of Twitter and, and Facebook might've been in the, in the MySpace days. And so, you know, connecting with someone on LinkedIn required you to add them and for them to sort of confirm that they knew you on the other side. And in fact, there were a lot of penalties if someone said, oh, I don't know this person. There was sort of this sort of privacy and fear concerns still in the internet. And I, I've always been of the mindset of just sort of, sort of dig your well sort of before you're thirsty, you know, to sort of preemptively um, sort of connect with folks w- without sort of any desire or, or any hidden agenda. And so you were one of the very first people that I connected with. Uh, I was probably in my early 20s. I'm, I'm 32, year old, 32 years old now. And you actually invited me out to your office in Maryland. And I said, well, what does this guy want to meet me for? He doesn't even know me. And you, it was just this sort of truly altruistic mission you had to understand what I did and how you could help me. And you recommended a book to me at the time called The Go-Giver, which completely transformed my mindset in the way that I do business. Um, because prior to that, it was sort of like transactional. Like in my head, it was, you know, what, what can I get out of this person or, or what do I need from this person? And you really shifted me into this place of sort of giving value with no expectation of getting anything in return. Um, and that was a really important early business lesson that changed my entire career and, and direction. Well, I'm glad it did. It did the same thing for me, and it's really strange, but little things in life, for instance, if uh, the guys who recruiters in Silicon Valley or California, wherever they, wherever they are that's created LinkedIn, who knows when we would have met each other or if we would have met each other or right. how it would have been that right time and right place because right. um, LinkedIn, uh, if you recall, back then I was exploring social media in, in a new company called Perfect Networker, and as naive as I was, I thought, you know, the brilliance of combining Match.com with LinkedIn and Facebook would create this awesome, like, go-giver experience that you could pay a very nominal fee of, like, $30 a month and actually be connected with people that the, that the search engine said, this is a good business connection for you, and if you reach out to them, they need your service or you need their service kind of thing. And, yeah. and you know, my, minus getting funded a couple million dollars, <laughs> I, I was able to learn what I needed to learn to go to the next step, which, you know, is uh, the umbrella syndicate. So it's, it's all these, you know, these phases we have it's to go through. It's funny how that works. You know, it's so <laughs> funny how that works. It's like everything that I've ever done in my life has taught me something that I could have never known I would have needed to know 10 years later. And in hindsight, it always makes perfect sense, doesn't it? But at the time, you know, a lot of people would be of the mindset to look at something like the perfect networker and to say, oh, that was a failure, you know, where really right. you learn some of the most important lessons probably of your, of your career, uh, what it takes to sort of market online from, from that endeavor. I, you know, I had, uh, I had launched a website about five years ago. It was called The Magic Session, and it was a live streaming portal for magicians to learn magic from other magicians. And so this was uh, before any other magic shop in the country was doing uh, like educational live streams. And we created this uh, massive network. We had around 5,500 members who were magicians from all over the world. And we would have world-class magicians come on and do these video lectures that were live and that were completely free. um, And people could come and learn. And eventually uh, uh, we shut it, we shut it down because uh, it really was just taking so much time of myself and my business partner at the time, Luke Dancy, and to where I really felt like my purpose was to 
to go to go all in on being a performer um, and not necessarily I couldn't necessarily see myself running this website for the rest of my life. And so some people would look at that and go, oh, wow, it was a, you know, it was a failure. You guys just walked away from it. But, you know, strangely enough, about two years after after that, about six months after we ended that or two years after we started it, I actually started doing a live stream uh, web show for the Oxygen Network as a result of a reality show that I was on. And so the Magic Session taught me what I needed to know about live streaming video, which then became a valuable skill set later on with my relationship with the Oxygen Network, which later became a valuable skill set with all the television I'm doing now. And so it's like you can choose to look at things as a failure or you can look at all the amazing things that you can learn from an experience like that and apply them to everything you do from that point forward. And so the only reason that would be a failure is if you didn't pay attention, is if you didn't learn a lesson. Um, and so I, I really truly do believe there are absolutely no failures. Um, it's, it's just everything is sort of teaching you whatever it is that you need to know for the next chapter of your life. And it's also that Steve Jobs connecting the dots, like, where he was, he wouldn't have known he needed these three different skill sets no. in order to create the first computer uh, that would be no. an intuitive computer. And, you know, uh, when I did Perfect Networker, I had so much belief in this vision I had, too much belief, quite frankly, that I spent $12,000 to join CEO Space International, and I mm-hmm. never used the membership because I, even though I bought it, I was committing with skin in the game, but I said... I'm not going to go until the company shows that it has some monetization plan, which I could not make it happen. I mean, it was, I really understood later why Facebook almost went bankrupt, right? You know, why all these social networks can go bankrupt because if they don't have a monetization plan, they need investors to get through a very long haul of period of time. And, um, but out of that, two things came for me is that when Umbrella Syndicate did start showing it was a monetized company, I was able to use those three memberships because I'd already bought them. And when I turned to you and I said, hey, I'd like to help you with the social media for MES, and we haven't told our audience about MES, and we may not have time in the first segment, but I thought it was really cool that because we had a background of relatedness, I didn't need to explain much. You didn't have to hear much. You said, hey, yeah, great. Come on down. You can be the social media for MES. And that really helped us uh, penetrate the D.C. market. I think I've probably thanked you a couple of times, but uh, just on the air, I want to acknowledge you that you were one of the earlier adopters of the Umbrella Syndicate when I needed early adopters. I mean, if you don't have early adopters and they're not influential, you are going to grow a lot slower. You know, you need that, you need that push in the beginning. Yeah, it's the skills you learn. It's the lessons you learn. It's the connections that you make. It's the people that you meet. Um, it's, it's all of the happenstance of the business. It's not just the, the, the things that you learn or the money that you make. It's, it's those collisions. I mean, it, it really, it's like whatever place you're at in your life right now, you, anyone, is a direct result of everything you've ever done. Now, I, I don't believe that that's any sort of fate thing, like it was destined to happen in this way. It's just a simple fact of cause and effect that where you are right now is a direct result of everything you've done before. And so this business that I started and the decision to close that business and the skills I learned from it and the people that I met, like I could not be where I am right now had I not done everything I've done prior to this, both what you'd consider the successes and what sort of objectively someone from the outside might consider the failures. And I I really truly believe that, that, you know, where I'm at right now is a result of every decision I've ever made and every experience I've ever had and everything I know now is, is a result of those experiences as well. And so I, I think it's just, it's really important that you like 
you manifest that mindset and that you resist the temptation to, in the present moment, judge anything as a success or failure in business. It's just, this is simply the way things are. You could choose to continue or you don't, or you change course. Um, but nothing's, you know, nothing is good or bad in business in and of itself. Um, you know, in the moment, it's only in sort of hindsight that we, we kind of see the, the perfect sort of timing of everything. Yeah, and, and to add, I guess, a little bit of a synonym to this, uh, uh, the way I would describe it is we create our world, we create our business, we create exactly who we are, what we are, and what we're experiencing. So, If you're an active if, for instance, participant in your own life, that's, yeah, that's so the only caveat, is, is if you are really, truly living and designing your own lifestyle, that's true. If you're a passive participant in your own life, and stuck up and caught up with the voice inside your head and working your job that, that you, you might hate, um, that, that would be the only exception. So it's kind of waking up to this reality that you can truly have anything you want. And, and it's not some cliche. It's, it's true. Yeah, and I guess when I'm saying the word create, I'm saying that even in a passive state, you, cre- you created the passive state yeah, you of do. your you life. Do. Absolutely. You, know? you create your circumstance. Yeah, I, I have to agree. So we're going to be going to a break pretty soon, but I think it would be a good time to ex- uh, explain how you came up with MES, Metro Event Specialist, and uh, what that did for you. Yeah. So um, around six years ago, um, at, I'm performing mostly at the time for context at corporate events and conferences um, all over the country. So I'm doing banquets and award shows and uh, sales meetings and holiday parties, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, I'm attending a lot of these networking events. And I, I still, to this day, truly believe with all of the technology that there is out there in the world, that there is no substitute for in-person, real-world, face-to-face networking. I truly believe that. Um, a lot of times we, we tend to think that technology and the tools that we have are a substitute for that, but, but really they're, they're not. Um, and so I was attending a lot of these industry events, and what I found at the time was that they were a little bit political in the way they were organized. They were a little bit clicky. They were heavy on the programming and light on the networking. And so everyone would go to these events to meet other people. You would have 15 minutes during registration to talk to everyone. They would dive into the programming. You'd listen to someone, a shitty speaker generally. Can I, sorry, I don't know if I can curse on this show. But you listen to a crappy speaker. <laughs> Um, for 45 minutes, and then it's over, and you have another 10 minutes at the end of the event to network. And literally, everyone is just waiting for the speaker to finish so that they can network. And so I said, why not create a group that's just all about networking? No agenda. Literally, we'll put like-minded people in the room and just allow them the entire two hours to network, which um, is what everyone seemed to want. And so I, I had noticed as I would go to these events, that because of this mindset I had that I kind of knew everyone in the room. I've always been the person to connect everyone rather than spend my time at a networking event selling myself. I would always sort of try to understand what everyone else did and connect them to other people in the room. And so I quickly realized that all the people I knew didn't know each other. And so I created a a networking event uh, on a whim. I called you. I said, uh, Ken, would you want to, you know, would your company want to DJ this and take photos? And uh, you and myself and two or three other people put on this networking event at a hotel here in DC and about uh, 40 or 50 event planners came. And so we had all these like-minded people from our industry that I knew. And it turned out that none of them in the room knew each other. And so we were forming all these great connections. And I said, wow, that was fun. Let's do this again in two months. Let's make it a regular thing. And oh, by the way, it should probably have a name. Let's call it Metro Event Specialist. And so um, it kind of just sort of all happened. Um, 
And as an experiment, I brought these folks together. And now here we are, uh, more than five years later, we have over 3,500 members in Washington, D.C. We have a networking event every two months. And um, I truly think it is the, the greatest place for anyone in the entertainment industry or the events industry um, in the region to, to meet other people. Um, all the events are free to attend, and it's a great way to get exposure for your business if you sponsor or just to come and, and to network with one another. And I, again, I did this as a way to sort of serve my industry, not as a way to gain anything myself. Um, well, we're going to cut to a break, Josh. And yeah, uh, we're we'll going to come, come right back, back and we're going to make sure people know how to get to MES and also to yeah. contact you. So we're going to cut to break right now and we'll be back in two minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash the Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at UmbrellaSyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. So we are back with Max Major, and that first half hour flew by. That's the beauty of having a super talented, interesting uh, guest. And I actually didn't even go into a bio, but uh, Josh, I mean, Max Major is one of the most interesting magicians. He is actually known as the real-life Sherlock Holmes. His performance combined magic, mentalism, hypnosis to demonstrate the untapped powers of the mind. So, Max, we were talking about MES, and I know that there's people in the metropolitan area that we're going to be letting uh, hear this, this show and when people hear it across the United States, they're going to want to fly out from 
L.A. and Austin, all these other places that come to MES to experience this. Uh, how do people find out about the next MES event? Yeah, they can just go to metroevents.org, that's plural, metroevents, with an S, dot org, and we have all the uh, dates for the upcoming events uh, on the calendar there, and the next one's at the end of April. And do you have a theme for that one? Uh, we do not at this point. We're still assembling the uh, vendor team, which those invites usually go out the first week of, uh, of the month, so people should be seeing that in their inbox uh, first week of April. And who's your colleague that helps you with MES? So uh, the president of MES right now is my business partner, Troy Ferrantis. Um He came in uh, about two years, two or three years after I launched MES to help. He's a very talented event planner. You know, as a mentalist, I've been to a lot of events, but I'm not an event planner, although I, I play one. Uh, <laughs> I was playing one for the first few years. Um, and so he brings a lot of variety to the events um, and does just an incredible job coming up with new themes and finding new venues and showcasing new vendors. Um, Troy's a really talented guy. Yeah, I wanted to give uh, you an opportunity to give him a shout-out because, you know, anytime you have a success, you have a team around you, and I think... You have uh, to have people- partners. I, like, I, it's still something I struggle with to this day. It's sort of like letting go, but it's like this thing I come back to over and over again is that, like, you really, really do need partners. You cannot do this alone. Um, you, you really, you have to sort of uh, work with others. You, you just can't do everything yourself. And, and every time in life I've ever felt burnt out or ever felt like I've plateaued in business or personally, it, it was because uh, I was sort of failing to allow others to help. And I, I think it's such, such an important, important thing. And it's something that, you know, as an entrepreneur, I, I've always struggled with sort of, because I'm wired that way, with sort of letting go and letting someone else take the reins. And it's, it's still something I struggle with to this day. Um, but it is just so incredibly important. If you want to do great work, you, you have to involve other people. And so I'm, I'm learning that more and more. Um, you know, as I've launched this theater show, I have really talented directors and, and playwrights and publicists that I work with. And, you know, in the past, I've, I've always tried to do everything myself. And the truth is, number one, I'm not an expert at everything. And so it's realizing that. But also, two, um, you, just, you just don't have time to do everything yourself. And so it's just such an important uh, lesson that I always have to remind myself of. Yeah, and I mean, it's not just partnering, but it's, it's leveraging. It's knowing how to have the resources yeah. you have, have the maximum impact. So if you're skill Absolutely. Really it's sales, not just finding people to do what you were doing. It's finding people to do things better than you could do them. Uh, right. I, I think that's really, really important. And I, I really believe that all of my partners I have right now are more capable than I am at, at each of their responsibilities. And so whether it's my, my new operations manual, Daniel, that I just hired, who I think is actually better um, at sort of keeping my business running and organized than I am, um, or Troy, who's a better event planner than I can be, um, my production partners for the new TV show that are so incredibly talented and creative, my partners on my theater show, you know, who, who helped me, you know, write the script or come up with lighting designs or costuming. Um, it's, it's really is one of those cases where the sum is, is, is much greater than, than each of the individual parts. So, uh, the one event that I love of MES is that I just, I almost count the days down to is the Halloween one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> that is so over the top because you guys get the best entertainers. Uh, the participation is at the highest level. You get the coolest venue. Uh, then that's the one that you, is a sellout, isn't it? 
Yeah, well, the events are selling out every month. Um, that one sells out a lot quicker than the other ones. Um, but October is sort of our signature event. We always try to do something over the top. But the, the bottom line with, with the MES mixers is that they're just a lot of fun. I mean, honestly, um, it is, it's like the most fun party I go to all year. And on top of that, you know, you're networking and you're meeting your colleagues. Um, and so it's just a really relaxed, casual environment, really focused group. Uh, it's a really open group. Everyone is so incredibly friendly. I mean, we're so, we're so, so lucky to have the amazing members uh, that we have and all the awesome sponsors we have uh, month after well, month. Max, you're being very humble, so I'm going to actually just say it uh, to our audience. So what Max has created is almost an unconditional, competitive uh, membership environment where everyone gets an opportunity to show their wares, and when they get that opportunity, they really show it off. For instance, if it's a caterer, they bring the best food. If it's uh, the, right. the photo booth, they're bringing their best photo booth machine. Uh, the, no one is being reserved about what they can show these event planners and these this, members. This is a really important point, and This is a really important point. So many people sponsor events in kind with whatever service that they provide, uh, and they cut corners. And there is no excuse. If this is your opportunity, okay, if you're, a, let's assume you're a caterer, and this is your opportunity to put your food in front of three or four or 500 people, you know, of your colleagues in your industry, and you cut corners, meaning you use cheaper ingredients because of the volume, or you don't necessarily have enough food, um, that, that's going to be the first time that people have, have any exposure to who you are. And so if you don't have enough food, or you don't go all out, or you're not overly generous with what you're providing, I mean, you're missing a huge opportunity. Like, this is your one shot. Um, and, and I've always been surprised when I go to open houses or when, um, you know, on the rare occasion that we have vendor partners who choose to not, to not go all out. It's like, this is your one chance um, to sort of make an impression on your industry, and you should bring it. I mean, when, myself, as a performer, whether I'm donating my time sponsoring, doing something for free, or I'm getting paid thousands of dollars, you will get the same show from me every time. You will never get anything less than my best. And it's because I love what I do, but also because your audience deserves that. Um, and, I, and I think it's a really important point. And I, I think the other thing that might be worth mentioning is, is how many vendors hesitate to give away what it is that they do for free. There are, there are so many people who say that you shouldn't work for free um, in any business, because if you work for free, your value is zero. And I think that this is such a logical fallacy because the truth is that I, I think the only reason to say something like that would be if you were coming from a place of ego. Because there, there is really no other better way to put what you do uh, in front of people who can buy it than, than donating your time. So if I have an opportunity to, to show off what I can do to three or 400 of my colleagues um, and I have to donate my time to do that. I mean, what other better investment of my time is there? And I don't think it has any reflection on, on what your value is uh, as a performer, as a service provider. And I, I think it's really important that whatever business well, is in, they, they selectively um, give it away. Well, Max, I think there's a distinction. I agree with you in premise that uh, the, the value proposition that you place on your, on your service or your product, for instance, when I go out and I do a quote-unquote free event, it is typically in-kind. I am being recognized for it, and there's a value. But more importantly, my mindset is I have got to make sure that I am giving 
2000 or $3,000 worth of service because that's the only way I'm going to get business back. If I treat this like it's worth nothing, that's exactly how they're going to receive it too. And then right. the other aspect of it is the distinction of donating your time versus uh, giving away your service because you don't even value it. So right. it, um, when I give away my service to a nonprofit, it is because I'm, I believe in I'm going to make a difference for that, that organization, but I'm also yeah. trading it for a sponsorship level. And, and I think it's important that when, like, for instance, if I do a quote-unquote favor for you, uh, Max, then what I need to do is I need to send an invoice to you saying, hey, it was really wonderful to donate my services. This is uh, it's $2,500, and it's just been uh, donated to your, you know, your organization. Right. So uh, I, I think those are some important little subtleties that you have to put in place so that you do not feel like you're not a value either, but your, your point and my point uh, are really parallel that you need to take advantage when you get an opportunity to show off what you yeah. do to your peers. I think there's a lot of reasons to work for free. I think one is what you mentioned is it's a cause you believe in. So most certainly a charity you really truly believe in. But another reason too is experience. So if you're just starting out and you need either something for your portfolio or you need more experience, another great reason to do it. Another reason to do it, exposure, right? Like if you have the opportunity to put yourself in front of the most prestigious event planners in the country at a national conference on a huge platform, that, that's a tremendous opportunity. Um, and so I, I think um, it definitely should be part of everyone's marketing and sales model to do selective uh, sort of in-kind sponsorships. Well, the, the minutes are climbing by and there's still so much I want to talk to you about and just uh, so you know, Max, I would love to have you back on the show again, and I'd like to talk to you about my favorite topic, but before I do, I want to just make one more acknowledgement to you that really is important to do publicly, and that is that you really not only understand social media, but I ha- cannot tell you how the percentage is somewhere around 99% of people that are in business do not understand how social media can make or break them or how it could actually double or triple their business if they do Isn't it correctly. Isn't funny? Yeah, it's, it's like... It's like they're, they still don't get it. It, it. it seems to me to be, it was obvious to me, t- you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago um, as sort of the early days of LinkedIn. But even now, um, you know, that your grandmother and great-grandmother is on Facebook, people are, are just coming around to the idea that, like, real business is being done on social media. Um, it's not just sharing pictures of your food. Um, but well, I, I think we are, we are sort of, we've reached the critical mass where businesses get it but they don't get it. So they, I think they now get that it's important, but I don't think that they get how it should be used. And so while they've all sort of bought in conceptually to the idea of social media, um, the majority of them are, are still doing it wrong. And they're using it um, as sort of as a funnel for their press releases rather than using it to build community or to have real conversations with people. And so I think, you know, people get it. They've woken up to it but they don't get it, if that makes sense. So I'm going to give you an opportunity, which I've heard you speak on the topic of LinkedIn and uh, Facebook, and I think even Twitter are in social media. But before you do, I just want to finish actually this compliment because you're so far ahead mentally and business-wise and social media-wise than so many leaders and entrepreneurs in the business world when it comes to social media. And I want to I want to state this because the, I want my audience to hear that they can look at you as an expert because you have really done what most people don't intuitively understand what to do, which is to create a campaign. When I called you some two years ago, or I'm no, I think it's possibly four years ago for MES, I said, 
hey, I'm doing social media. I am running your social media team. I need to be at every event. And all of a sudden, you brought me in in the team so that I could be part of the campaign to help build it. And I certainly don't take credit for the success of MES, but I will say that of all the clients I have, MES is one of the strongest organizations because it understands how to use social media in a campaign sense. And the consistency, people understand a campaign is actually saying, you can trust what I'm going to do because every time you see me do it, it's the same. And that's what you guys have achieved. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah, I I think for me, it's about community. And I, I think we echo that with Metro events. I think I echo that with my own use of social media for my personal brand. Um, and I think that's the real point of the internet. It's, it's to bring us together. It's not for us to uh, just talk about ourselves. Uh, it's to have conversations right. with one another. And so, so much so that I'm, I'm, I'm rarely selling, um, you know, I'm, I'm not just announcing all the great things that I'm doing. I really truly am. I've made friends. I've made business relationships. Um, you know, it's such an incredible experience to meet someone in real life for the first time who you originally met uh, only through Twitter or like you're in your, in my case, LinkedIn. Um, I think it's a place where relationships start. Uh, I don't think it's the, 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 the end in and of itself. So uh, take this opportunity to really spend as much time as you'd like, just giving maybe three or four pointers that you find uh, people might be missing the boat that could really change their success on social media and in their business? I think there's two things. I think, number one, that you need to personalize and humanize business. I think that's number one, is that um, if you're a brand, um, you know, whether it's a company name, not a, not a person selling who they are, where I, I sort of am my brand, a little different for me, um, but in the case of MES, we're an organization but we still have a face and we still have a voice. Um, and you can hear the human being behind uh, our, our posts and you can see our face in our, in our icon, in our profile picture. It's, it's our faces, it's human beings. It's not a logo of a company. And I think that's the first point is that people want to have conversations with other people, not with a logo. And so I think there's this hesitation to kind of share your personal life or to share um, you know, a glimpse into your personal life, I think. But in many cases, um, that, that builds a deeper connection to, to who, you know, what your brand is. If you take a look at um, the UFC, the Ultimate Fighting Championship, which is an incredible success on, on social media, um, you'll see that Dana White, you know, his, his account is equally as popular as sort of the UFC itself. And so he is sort of the face of the brand um, because people want to connect to the human being behind the business, not necessarily the logo. Um, you look at someone like Gary Vaynerchuk behind VaynerMedia, who's obviously very sort of personal brand forward. Um, you know, you may not need to go as far as, as being sort of uh, the personality of your brand, but I, I think opening up a little bit to it, not just being um, all press releases and, it, and it, it, it having a very human tone of voice and people knowing who is the person behind the account. Um, and of course, if you're an individual, then obviously uh, fostering that personal brand, giving people a little bit of insight into who you are and what you believe. Because we do business with people. Like, you don't do business with businesses. You do business with people that you like. And so if I need to hire a photographer, yes, I might be hiring the, hiring the umbrella syndicate, but really I'm hiring Ken Rashan, you know, because I like you. And, it, you know, regardless of what the business is called or, or what the logo is, and I think that's, that's really important. And so 
social media is an extension of, of real world networking. You know, you shake hands with someone, you meet them in real life, you learn a, a bit about them. And so that's number one is, is to, to personalize your social media. I think the second tip I would give um, is to just stop selling and start engaging. And so 90% of what you post on Twitter or on Facebook or Instagram should be providing value or fostering conversation or diving into a conversation. So if you look at someone's Twitter timeline, for example, and it's nothing but sort of statements about them and their business, and you notice they're not replying to others or engaging, they're, they're missing a huge opportunity because social media is really about conversations and not about PR. And I think so many people are still using it as a PR funnel to just talk about my next show, my great thing, my big accomplishment versus having a conversation or, or providing value. And so I think that's, that's the other big tip is to, to focus less on selling and more on building relationships. What would you say to someone that said to you, just said, I, I've heard you talk about social media. Um, I don't believe there's any ROI to social media. What would you say to that comment? I, I mean, does anybody really believe that still? I don't know. I think, I think like intuitively <laughs> now we're past that stage. I think people know there is, but I think that they're using it wrong. So, so I think that people get, okay, there is some value to social media, but they might not be actually seeing any value because they're, they're using it wrong. They're just basically splattering their press releases onto their Facebook page. And I don't know how interesting it is to hear about the new deal that your business signed or the new client you picked up or the, you know, great event that you planned. Um, I think the real value comes in building community, but, but if you want to talk like metrics, like real numbers, um, I mean, the, the platforms exist now to where there should be no question as to the ROI of social media. I mean, go into Facebook, go into their ads manager, create an ad campaign. There is no more measurable form of marketing in the world than Facebook advertising right now. I mean, you can literally choose who it goes to, who sees it, what their interests are, how old they are, where they're located, and you'll know exactly how many people are seeing it, how many people are clicking it and engaging with it, what the cost per person is. I mean, if you want real metrics, those metrics are there. But I think that the bigger value is really the, the conversations that you can have and the relationships that you can, you can build. Uh, have you written a book? I have not. I obviously am stating that because I think you should. <laughs> you know, one day there's like, you know, there's a million things that anyone can do with their time. And, and obviously I, I have a lot of really strong beliefs. I think that as a practitioner, I have a really solid business model um, that maybe others could benefit from. But I think my, the place I'm at in my career right now is sort of, I'm still building my business. I'm still learning. Um, and so most of the teaching that I do is in the form of speaking. So sometimes I do right. keynotes and I talk about these topics. Um, and, and maybe that's where my core skill set is, is, you know, I think you have to kind of know who you are. Some people are better uh, with their voice. Some people are better face-to-face. -face. Some people are better at writing. I think where I really excel um, is, is in live performance. And so I think a lot of times my time is better spent in, in video as a platform um, versus uh, writing. But I certainly think um, at some point in my life, it will be the right time to write a book, whether that book is about mindset or whether it's about reading people or whether it's about my business philosophy and marketing. That's kind of up in the air. I mean, those are all topics that I'm really passionate about. But right now, 
most of my uh, teaching is confined to my online videos and, and then also my, my keynotes and speaking engagements. Well, because we have roughly five more minutes, I do not want us to miss an opportunity for people to know how to book you for a keynote or how to yeah. uh, learn about your shows. Can you please give out your information? We're going to go to you know, some of the books and, and how you became who you are through mentorship. Two most important links. Uh, number one is youtube.com slash it's Max Major, I-T-S Max Major, or just search Max Major on YouTube. I post up a new video almost every day, and it really encompasses my, my business philosophy, my philosophy as an artist. I teach a lot on the channel, and also it just provides some entertainment too. That's a great place for people if they want to just sort of uh, see me living my truth and maybe learn from it. Uh, the other important link is maxmajor.net. That is where you can find out about the location of all my live shows. And then if you were interested in booking me, um, some more information on, on bookings there as well. Wonderful. And uh, tell me, since books seem to be very important to you, based on the fact that I've seen you speak and refer to books you like, share with the audience some of the books that have really changed your life. I know Go-Giver was one of them. Yeah, it really depends on topic. Go-Giver is a big one for business. Um, another great one for marketing is a book by Ryan Holiday called Trust Me, I'm Lying. This will teach you a lot about the way that PR and the internet sort of machine feeds into national news. Uh, incredibly fascinating read. Trust me, I'm lying. Um, some books on mindset that you absolutely have to read are uh, anything by Wayne Dyer, uh, a book by Eckhart Tolle called The Power of Now, which absolutely transformed my life. Um, another book by John Kabat-Zinn called Wherever You Go, There You Are. These are just three incredibly powerful authors that, that help you master your, your sort of internal world. Um, and then uh, some other rapid-fire book recommendations. People are interested in body language. Check out a book by Joe Navarro called What Every Body Is Saying. It's a great primer for real-world body language you can apply to your personal and professional life. And then uh, another book called Influence uh, by Robert Cialdini. Um, I could go on and on, but hopefully that's a pretty wide range of, of topics. for. It, it is a wide range, and if I may request that when we post this uh, show on social media, which is sometimes in just a couple of days, it's off our iTunes account, and then we let it spread like wildfire on social media. And, and I'll thank you in advance for anything you can do to get the show out to your, your folks to let them hear some of this. But uh, if you will put links to some of these uh, books, I, I think it's always great when someone actually – shares with audiences how they can expand their mind with great reading material. And I, I think a quote by Charlie Tremendous Jones says it all, the difference of where you are today and where you'll be five years from now are the books you read and the people you meet. And you have made uh, an immense difference, not just in my life, but I, I know so many people that have become transformed into better people, better leaders, better entrepreneurs, because they either know you, they've been to MES, they've seen you do a show, and you are a real inspiration, Max. I, I'm, very pr I'm very proud of you. I've known you for 10 years, and you constantly amaze me that you keep growing. Hey, Ken, thanks. That means a lot. So we will see you at the next MES event. And this is Max Major. I highly encourage you to follow him on Twitter, to check him out on Facebook. He is he's the kind of guy that's going places. And I wish you all the luck, Max, and we do want you back on our show. Yeah, say hi, guys. Send me a tweet. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great day. And Max Major, you have been amplified. Take care. See ya. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashad again next Tuesday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Now, go get your message heard. 